but it's certainly not about eating less and exercising more. And anyone who tells you otherwise, frankly, either doesn't care enough to sit down and explain this stuff to you, or they just don't know better. They don't know the science behind weight loss. And as a geriatric physical therapist, I can honestly tell you that 90 to 95% of my physical therapy clients were in the overweight or obese categories. And most of the time it wasn't even listed on their past medical history because it's so commonly overlooked. Hi, I'm Dr. Morgan Nolte, geriatric physical therapist, weight loss coach, and passionate disease prevention expert. I used to struggle with emotional eating, sugar cravings, and consistency. Then I learned how to lose the mental and physical weight once and for all with a low insulin lifestyle. Each week on the Reshape Your Health podcast, you'll learn simple, actionable, step-by-step strategies to help you do the same. If you're ready to create a body and life you love, you're in the right place. Let's get started. This episode is going to share the real reasons why you can't lose weight after 50. And these are especially going to be helpful if you are being consistent with whatever your current plan is. I want you to have the highest chance of success possible when losing weight. And to do that, especially when losing weight after 50, you're going to need a plan that's centered around living a low insulin lifestyle. Keeping insulin and inflammation low is the best, most effective way to lose weight and keep it off and prevent disease. I have a fun Chrome extension on my laptop and it tells me the search volume for a keyword or phrase. A quick Google search reveals that zero people are searching for low insulin lifestyle per month. How to lower insulin is getting about 2,400 searches per month and how to lose weight has a whopping 450,000. If we do a little math, 450,000 minus 2,400 is 447,600 people. That's how many people are looking to lose weight each month and asking the wrong question. They are asking how to lose weight when a better question to solve that root cause problem of weight gain is how to lower insulin. Insulin is the primary hormone responsible for your body's set weight. If you wanna lose weight, learn how to lower insulin. The quality of your questions determines the quality of your results. So one reason you may not be losing weight after 50 is you're asking the wrong question and getting outdated weight loss advice from Dr. Google. My guess is that you've tried lots of things that pop up when you Google how to lose weight. You've tried several big weight loss programs that pay big bucks to be at the top of that competitive keyword on Google. So if you've already tried those and are still watching this video, you know that something's missing. There's a piece to this whole weight loss thing that you haven't figured out yet. And that's where I come in. Because if losing weight were easy, two out of every three adults in America would not be considered overweight or obese. It's not complicated, but it's not easy. And thanks to millions of marketing dollars that have brainwashed you into believing false information about weight loss, it's no longer common sense either. Just take a look at this graphic that I put together for why menopause is the perfect storm for weight gain. We're going to dive into each of these areas in this episode, but it's certainly not about eating less and exercising more. And anyone who tells you otherwise, frankly, 
either doesn't care enough to sit down and explain this stuff to you, or they just don't know better. They don't know the science behind weight loss. And as a geriatric physical therapist, I can honestly tell you that 90 to 95% of my physical therapy clients were in the overweight or obese categories. And most of the time it wasn't even listed on their past medical history because it's so commonly overlooked. Insulin resistance and inflammation is the root cause of weight gain and the subsequent medical conditions like dementia, type two diabetes, and heart disease that I treat in geriatric physical therapy. My mission is to help you get healthy now so you never need a geriatric physical therapist down the road. Now there are four main pillars of health that are on the foundation of mindset. And I've been talking a lot about mindset in my episodes lately because it really is the key to stay consistent. This episode is geared more towards the best strategies to lose weight after 50. One of them that I'm going to talk about today is understanding and tracking your macronutrients. And just a heads up, I'm, I'm going to be throwing a lot of information at you over the next few minutes. So some of it might be new, some of it not, but what's important is that you prevent any overwhelm right away, right? As you listen, I don't want you to feel like, oh my gosh, I have so many things that I need to change. This is going to take forever. It's going to take lots of time and energy because that's not productive thought. Consider this an overview of what it really means to live a healthy lifestyle and pick just one area to optimize for now. You could even pick a sub area and start there. I recommend starting with consistently tracking your macronutrients. And if you haven't heard, I created a free video training series to get you started with tracking macronutrients. In this absolutely free video training series, you'll learn how to get your account set up correctly in Carb Manager and figure out the best macronutrient ratio for you. Now, if you're considering joining my program when it opens for enrollment in a few weeks again, this is one of the first steps that I have you take. So I'd highly encourage you to get a jump start and to get that video series, just go to weightlossforhealth.com forward slash macros. That's weightlossforhealth.com forward slash macros. Let's get into the first and most important pillar and that's nutrition. I think of nutrition in three categories what you eat, when you eat, and hydration. First off, I'm going to cover how what you eat affects insulin and what types of foods help lower your insulin resistance. Optimizing your nutrition in a way that lowers insulin levels is the single greatest thing that you can do for your health. I go deep into this content in my course and I coach my members through more specifics on how to do this, but here's a broad stroke overview of what to do. I want you to forget about points and calories and fake food products. You need to know two simple rules. The first rule is to focus on foods that don't spike your blood sugar or insulin. These include healthy fats, protein, and fibrous foods. And to get more detail on food examples, you can download my ultimate food guide that I'm going to link to in the description on YouTube um, or the show notes for the podcast. So I want you to take a look at this chart and see the response of insulin to different types of macronutrients. And it's important to truly understand the components of your food to be sure that you're eating the quote unquote right foods that aren't going to spike your insulin most of the time. Once you use that as a litmus test to determine the health of your food choices, picking out the right foods, quote unquote right, becomes so much simpler and you don't rely on rules that are made up by other programs or big companies to tell you what to eat. 
The second rule is to eat mostly whole, real, unprocessed foods. Processed foods are usually higher in refined starch and sugar and highly inflammatory omega-6 fatty acid oils, along with other preservatives and artificial sweeteners. If you're relying on pre-packaged food products, even if they're deemed healthy by big marketing companies, honestly, like Weight Watchers or Nutrisystem or Octavia, a lot of their food products, you are still eating processed food and you probably could be making better, more nutritious and likely more affordable food choices. And the next category of nutrition I cover is how when you eat affects your insulin. Eating five or six times a day to keep your metabolism up is a complete myth. When you eat, there is a small amount of energy that your body has to use to process and digest the food, but it does not counter the frequent increase in insulin throughout the day. Remember that it's too much insulin for too long that will increase your body set weight. So when you're having several small meals throughout the day, they kind of turn into snacks. And a lot of these snack foods tend to be highly processed and refined carbohydrates. Every time you eat, no matter what it is, your body's probably going to release some insulin. So it's just a matter of how much. Learning how to structure your meals in a way that keeps you full and nourished and satisfied from one meal to the next is an excellent step in the right direction to help reduce your urges and sugar cravings throughout the day. Intermittent fasting or time-restricted feeding is a great technique to use, not just when you're losing weight, but as a lifestyle. I recommend everyone fast for at least 12 to 14 hours a day, but I teach my clients and course members how to increase the lengths of those fasts to further reduce insulin resistance to see more health benefits and weight loss. Lastly, I wanted to touch on hydration because underhydration is a huge problem for women over 50. Some common things that I hear from members about being underhydrated is not wanting to have to go to the bathroom all the time. Um, they could be on a diuretic or have a weak pelvic floor and have some incontinence issues. And maybe they just don't understand why being hydrated is so important. And sometimes they just plain forget to drink their water. And I'm telling you right now, eight glasses of water a day is usually not gonna cut it. Drinking a bunch of artificially sweetened beverages is not desired either because many of those sweeteners will still raise your insulin levels. So try to aim for at least half of your body weight in ounces of water per day. If that makes you have to go to the bathroom all the time, good. Join the bathroom club and maybe see a pelvic PT. The second pillar is physical activity and exercise. And I know that you might be wondering what is the difference there between physical activity and exercise. So think about physical activity as the big umbrella of movement that you do throughout the day. And exercise is just a piece of that. It's broken down into kind of different raindrops like strength, flexibility, aerobic and balance training. And that falls, all of those raindrops fall under the big physical activity umbrella. So both of those are going to be important, but especially strength and flexibility to maintain your muscle and joint health as you age to reduce your fall risk um, and improve your metabolic health. So if you're stuck in the mentality that weight loss is about calories in, calories out, um, and you have to have like a negative caloric balance, and that's the only thing that matters to lose weight, it's likely that you value and prioritize cardio training that burns more calories in the moment. 
So things like walking, swimming, dancing, jogging, ellipticaling, cycling, these types of cardio exercises, they don't work on those two things that tend to decline most with age and that's strength and flexibility. So if you aren't strength training all major muscle groups at least twice a week at a moderate to high intensity, then you're missing out on huge metabolic and functional benefits. The more lean muscle mass you have, the higher your metabolism and the easier it is to stay slim naturally. The more fat mass you have, the slower your metabolism. Cardio doesn't build muscle, but strength training does. But you can't build muscle without the proper building blocks of adequate protein dosed properly throughout the day. That's one of the reasons that food always comes first. And aside from a lack of strength training, I always see a lack of flexibility training with my members. So when we just start working together, um, increased joint stiffness and pain is so common with aging. Most people don't recognize the powerful effects that some gentle stretching every day, even for five or 10 minutes, can have to alleviate their symptoms and maintain their muscle flexibility. This means less joint pain and improved mobility and a reduced risk of falling. The next two pillars to lower insulin resistance and lose weight after 50 are stress and sleep. So stress in any form will affect your body the same way. You've likely heard about the fight or flight response to stress, right? When we need to fight or flee a stressful situation, our bodies anticipate needing extra energy in the form of glucose for our muscles to use. But when our stressors are mental or physical, your body still has that same physiological response. Remember, it cannot tell the difference between a mental or emotion or emotional or a physical stressor. So because of that cortisol, the stress hormone that raises your blood glucose levels, that's going to raise your blood insulin. And if you're not fighting or fleeing, it's going to take more insulin to allow the glucose to go into the cells because there's no muscle demand. And remember elevated insulin levels over a longer period of time will raise your body set weight. So that's why stress management is such an important factor in losing weight and living a healthy lifestyle. Next week's episode is really going to dive into how do we deal with stress and create intentional margin in our life to focus on our weight loss and our health. If you don't have intentional margin, it's going to be really hard for you to play and pray and laugh and just have some downtime to allow your cortisol levels to come down. Often we are more focused on the wants and needs of other people to the detriment of our own health, especially around midlife, right? You start to maybe have some grandchildren who need you, adult kids who need you in different ways, um, and aging parents who need you too. And all that while still trying to run a household and maybe balance a career. So it's a lot, you're under a lot of pressure. You need to be proactive with creating boundaries and intentional margin to help manage the increased stress load. Sleep deprivation is also a form of stress on your body. Aside from increased cortisol levels, there are three other big hormonal changes that you need to know about when you don't sleep well. Your ghrelin level goes up, and I covered the role of ghrelin in a previous episode. Ghrelin is your hunger hormone, so you're gonna be craving more food, especially high carb foods. Your leptin levels are going to go down, and I also covered leptin in a previous episode. I'm gonna to link to both of those episodes um, in the show notes for this episode. 
and leptin is the hormone that helps you sense when you're full, one of them, and that you have enough body fat. And when your leptin levels go down, when you're sleep deprived, you're not gonna feel as full and you're gonna be more likely to overeat. Also, very importantly, your human growth hormone goes down with age. This hormone helps your tissues grow to help maintain your muscle mass and your metabolism, but it also plays an important role in keeping your immune system healthy. Often women going through menopause may benefit from low dose hormone replacement therapy to reduce those symptoms of you know, hot flashes, sleep disturbance, but it, it's really personalized. So you need to talk with your own doctor and assess the risk benefit ratio there for you. I also recommend getting your thyroid levels checked. If you feel like you're really dialing in your nutrition and sleep and stress and exercise and being consistent, but you're not getting the results that you want. Often a lack of results is simply due to a lack of consistency, but sometimes not. Sometimes there's really something else going on and it's good to get your hormones checked. If you're going to get your hormones checked, I really think you need to go with a company that knows what they're doing and a provider that knows how to educate you on the results and the data. And while I've never personally used them, I've heard really good things about the Dutch test and not every provider is going to be familiar with this test or how to help you understand it. So I'll link to their website in the show notes for this episode if you wanna check them out. And I'm sure that the technology is just gonna keep advancing for this. So I think one other thing is your estrogen goes down after menopause. Estrogen will increase insulin resistance, but it's a normal decline in estrogen. So that hormone replacement therapy is really supposed to just be a short-term bridge to kind of help you bridge that gap between pre-menopause and post-menopause. It's certainly not a long-term solution at this point. And per usual, I want you to take action from these episodes, but I also wanna help you prioritize your actions and reduce overwhelm to make weight loss feel lighter and more doable for you. So if you're watching on YouTube, let me know what's one thing that you're gonna focus on in the next 48 hours, and what's, what's that one pillar that you're going to optimize? I know after hearing lots of ideas, you may want to overhaul everything, but do not do that. Just pick one thing and let me know. Again, I recommend starting with that low hanging fruit, like improving your hydration or starting to track your macronutrients, something that's really doable and concrete. Thanks so much for listening today. Don't forget about that free macros tracking video series that you can download at weightlossforhealth.com forward slash macros to start optimizing your nutrition today. And I'll talk with you again at the same time, same place next week. Bye for now.